0: This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new DApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you, before making any detrimental mistakes, risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review DApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score, and if you find yourself wondering, hmm, maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past, well, BlockBasis makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on blockbases.com. that is blockbases.com. So basically, guys, uh, this is all about data. And just to uh, give a little bit of an intro, uh, from a newbie, uh, not an expert like Jonas and Fabian, I just want to set the bar perhaps a little bit here because most people, of course, they get into crypto uh, because of DeFi, promise of money, uh, get rich quick uh, is uh, very enticing for many people, of course. But I think the promise of blockchain is much bigger than that, and most people. Uh, listening to this space, probably have a similar opinion like this. I mean, sure, financial data is valuable, but there's so much more. There's personal data, supply chain data. There's all kinds of data. And right now, I mean, we are standing in a crossroad between building a world where centralized players, Google, Amazon, the big tech firms, just gobble up more and more data and become more and more powerful, or the alternative, in what we typically call Web three, where we uh, take back control of the data that we all create and leave behind uh, during our online lives. And that's, I think, just to put the bar very, very high for you, Jonas, and you, Fabian, today. This is what is at stake, right? What What is the world that we really want to build? Is it the centralized version or the decentralized version? So, yeah, uh, I don't know if that's a fair intro for you, Jonas, and you, Fabian, but I think we shouldn't underestimate the, uh, the problem here. Um, so with that, let's talk about what you guys are building at Centropy and, uh, and Kaif. So yeah, I'll let you uh, pass on the mic to you, Jonas or Fabian, whoever wants to speak first.
1: I don't know. I, I, I'm unmuted already. Maybe maybe I can start. So would you like me to give an intro about, about Centropy?
0: Yeah, let's talk about uh, with that tall bar set. Let's talk a little bit about first uh, you, Um your story you know people come from all walks of life here in the in web3 uh, sure. so perhaps tell us a little bit about your story and then uh, we'll dive into what centropy and kive is is all about
1: awesome so yeah i'll be quick about myself i'm jonas co-founded uh noi network at the time now centropy six years ago or so at the end of the last ICO uh, boom and before, I was in J.P. Morgan in investment banking, working on various tradeo- trading uh, platforms. I was in e-commerce business as well, so I was well versed in technology uh, and infrastructure, sending messages, uh, fast infrastructures, etc. cetera. Uh, but what, when we started Noah Network at the time, we built protocols, which makes data delivery transfer quicker around the world, and uh, we built that layer, which optimizes the internet speeds, But then we noticed that blockchain really needs not only just faster internet connectivity, but a much more specific uh, feature set and like interface to to get that. And the problem was not only data speed on the internet, but really accessibility of that data, uh, how you consume the data, how it's being taken from blockchains, how do you get it and so on. So what we've built is a data layer, which combines Uh, all the other chains as well as other data and delivers it to either other applications or other chains and smart contracts in the future in the lowest latency possible way, but also in a decentralized way. So kind of continuing to what you said, what we found is that there is a huge data need which is unfulfilled by crypto and not only crypto projects by blockchain data not being available there are so many chains; uh, it's not composable. There's very few centralized providers which provide data in only you know only a few ways they provide. There's only few data streams available. It's very hard to build something, and 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 control what you're building. So, what Syntropy does is it creates an ecosystem where uh, one act one side of actors can publish blockchain data. And then the other side can subscribe and get any data from any other chain streamed real time to their applications. And all that happens uh, through Decentralized Protocol.
0: Beautiful. Passing on the mic, I guess, to, uh, to you, Fabian.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. And hello, everyone. I'm Fabian. I'm also the co-founder of uh, Kaif Network. Uh, I'm actually traditionally a software developer, not in the like super data science space, but always kind of like in the in the data space and also got into crypto in 2019 on like some little side projects that dealt with like a decentralized DocuSign almost in a way and never <laughs> never built that out, but it was the idea back then. And then one thing came to the other. Um, and what we're doing with Kaif is we're really focusing on data archiving and data validation um, just because blockchains right like in Web three everyone gets money for producing new data but no one is actually kind of asking well what happens with the data that has been produced like who's paying to keep that around Um, and so basically this is something we are tackling um with with Kive. it's basically we work with blockchains uh, we work with data providers um and we do archive and store the data and we especially validate it and we make sure that we don't store any like incorrect data because Uh, like your archive isn't worth anything if you have wrong data uh, in the archive, right?
0: Beautiful. Can you just uh, perhaps for the unaware person, uh, just talk us through how is data storage and uh, the the world of uh, decentralized uh, computing really uh, different from what we would call, I guess, normal Web2 behavior, Uh, just just to paint a picture for everybody to get on the same page in terms of all this data flowing around online, where is a there's there's just a big difference between how you process data, right, uh, in a decentralized world versus a a centralized uh, data center, for example. So maybe uh, maybe you, Fabian, or you, Jonas, just get us on the same page before we dive into exactly uh, get under the hood of what you guys are building over there.
1: So I can maybe give an intro how data is streamed, and then Fabian can 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 show the differences how it's being stored. So the difference how data floats around the internet in a centralized world is uh, providers and centralized providers store data first to their indexes. They run blockchain nodes and then we need to store data and then write software to give that data to developers. So either buy through various paywalls and then connect through various protocols. Uh, the most popular way to get data now is through API requests. Uh, so you, you do request and you get a response with the data uh there is a couple data streaming providers where you get real time data streams delivered to you as the messages go but as i said they are now very selective what data they provide that data needs to be confirmed it goes to databases first it's uh, it's normally not as 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 fast and as I mentioned, the biggest difference is the paywall and there's no composability. You get what you get, what the provider gets you. And then also if the provider is down, then your system is down. So the Web2 applications, they are used to just using services and other companies. And then they get their data from what's available. But in the free world, we want everything to be as composable as possible. We want everyone to build whatever smart contracts they want on whatever chain because everything is decentralized. Equally, then we want the data to also be able to consume any data or to build your own streams if they're not available or your community must be able to add more data for the sources so that people can just build on top and we don't need uh, a permission basically to build a permissionless data system. So the, the biggest difference would be that we can still provide data in a, in the a same SDKs, you know, com- comfortable way for developers but the data comes from decentralized publishers, and it can be added to the protocol in a permissionless way.
0: Beautiful. Anything to add, Fabian?
1: Or yeah, I think I can. I can add my perspective
2: on it from a data storage part because I think that's like a very, very different way of thinking about uh, dealing with data um, compared to like the traditional Web 2 space. I think one very, very big part is like private versus public data, right? Like on the blockchains, at least the ones out there right now that are in mainstream use, everyone really has to be aware that like, anything you do on a blockchain, anyone else in the world can see, right? Anyone can see anyone can basically also transact, anyone can look at anyone can analyze, it's basically being like, naked out there while this sounds a little bit actually contrary, but in web two, this is very private, right? If I interact with With my google account well then yeah google knows my data but it's only google in a way right and this is i think the very critical part on one side saying okay i have like one company one institution that has full control over all of my data right while on the blockchain it's a little bit more anonymous but public and you have to think about first of all how you deal with that data um, and then second of all also how do you incentivize the people keeping the the data around right like on a i think i said it in the intro very briefly right but on a blockchain you literally only get money for producing new data like no one is paying anyone for keeping old data around and very frankly when i'm an old operator and i want to make the most profit it only matters if i create new blocks so i would delete all of my old data that is lying around because i mean hey i'm not getting paid for it so why 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 should i keep it around well then with decentralized storage you have to think it the other way around which is like well now we need to think about how can we incentivize people to keep the data, right? How do we pay them basically for how long they keep the money around? I think this is actually you have to take on a very different perspective thinking about like data storage web two versus versus web three. Web three has way more benefits, which is like the immutability, the permanency, right? Um, Also, of course, like a little bit of more privacy as well. You're not exposed to a single provider. Um, But yeah, the caveats are definitely like how do you keep everyone incentivized? How do you keep everyone um basically that, that they keep their stake in the in the network but i'm like 100 confident that this is like the right way and this is the way it will basically also pay off um just by especially breaking down the power those single institutions have um over users or over data sets and that kind of like the world of public goods is the next uh, future we are looking into
1: yeah, just to add to what Fabian said, I think one of the most important differences between Web2 and Web3 and, and all of these technologies is the economic models. That's why there's tokens. And the biggest difference from Web2 world is, in, in, and sort of that's my whole mantra of, of crypto and blockchains in general, is that nobody earns a profit per se. In the normal world, useful data is, is being given a paywall. And it's being as expensive as possible. and until the data becomes commodity, then it gets cheaper and it becomes sort of close to infrastructure cost. But still, people can try to monetize data. Uh, and what the what the decentralized economies provide is that nobody really earns the profit. It's either data creator, which puts a fee and earns the product. Pro, the profit, actual data publisher. All the protocols take fees and then trickle down to validators, to providers, to whatever the technology they're running. So the biggest difference is that we're really bringing back value of data or storage or anything back to the community and participators of node runners, et cetera, rather than you know hitting those paywalls and then basically paying the profits until data becomes commodity.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And yeah, there's obviously a th- big difference between streaming and storage of data, which uh, begs the question, it's a good segue, I guess, to uh, why you are both here today. I mean, uh, Jonas and Fabian, you represent Kai and Syntropy, so people listening for the past 15 minutes or so, they might be asking, why are you both here today? So you guys are doing some interesting stuff, some interesting partnership and relationship between you. Can you talk about that?
2: Yeah, I think the, the Kaizen-Syntropy thing is really a match made in, in heaven. Uh, and I think Jonas uh, really agrees on that because there is such a great synergy between real-time streaming data and data streams and the historical piece of it, right? Because if you think about the usage of data streams, right? You want to look what is happening right now. Well, we only know how we can interpret that, what is happening right now if we have some ideas about the past, right, if we know what kind of happened before and what do I have to look out for, which is such a great synergy there because with Kive, we really take care of basically archiving the data streams, Syntropy is providing, making them processable for developers, understanding also the data they are working with and giving them the security that like there has been no tempered with the data no one has kind of like tried to modify anything there. And uh, yeah, and the real-time data is super, super important, right? Because Blockchains are so fastly moving and especially right if, if you're in the DeFi space and things like that, you want to be like up to date as fast as possible. But there's always a trade-off, like you can either be super fast and have a really, really short window, so to say, to look at, or you can be slower, in that case, right? That is us Kaif, with like always lacking a couple of minutes behind, but then having the completely historical um, view, so to say, on things, right? There is no no way to actually combine basically speed and full historical access. So I think it's a really, really perfect synergy that we have with Kyber and Syntropy um, that really, really allows developers to now have a data tooling at their hand that they need to cover the full spec from real-time insights to full-on historical insights.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And, And kind of the second that is once we were talking to customers Uh, People need real-time data, but also almost everyone also needs historical data in some capacity. So what everyone told us is they're either already using some of the the API data providers, but everyone's looking how they can use those new data streams, which we have, which are not available, and then also integrate the historical data capabilities to them. So to have a full tooling, as Fabian mentioned, and, and being able to develop your application from A to Z, Everybody needs also a storage solution. So uh Kive and I think when we met in Austin uh and, and and other times was really as you said a match made in heaven because we were we were looking for our solution to our customers, how we can integrate and who with so that the customers can also have options to stream data and store it and then use it for their storage purposes, uh or, or loading purposes, or whatever the use case is. So like very few applications rely completely exclusively on real-time data. Normally everyone has some historical data needs for their applications. So, and, and the same way, if you have only historical data, uh, some use cases become impossible, like reaction to events, uh, arbitrage, liquidity pool provisions, etc. These become really impossible so, to illustrate one use case, which is very clear why you need these technologies if you want to start a new arbitrage bot right first you need data coming to you as soon as possible so that anything happens you know it first you can do your calculations and decisions but yeah let's say you build some bot what do you do how you test it the first thing you need immediately is to backtest your bot like it's is, like is the software working so even just to start developing the first thing you do after connecting a real-time data stream is you get some historical data and then you play around with it and, and, and test your software. So I really hardly imagine any software stack which doesn't use a combination of like real-time plus historical data. There's applications which are fine with just historical data. There's there, there's applications which are fine just plugging in the real, the real data streams. But uh, even internally, then a lot of them need some storage capability. Can and you walk maybe...
2: through... Improve... Oh, sorry, go ahead maybe quickly adding to that, also something I, I personally find very cool about Syntropy and, and blockchains in the combination is that real time is like super, super exciting for any kind of application, but especially with blockchains. Syntropy with some streams even allows you to look into the future of the blockchain. Sounds a little weird, but what I mean by this is right in a blockchain, um, if you're not that technical, I'm quickly going to explain it, but whenever you submit a transaction, Your transaction is not executed right away. It's executed in the next block, right? Cosmos Chains, that's around six seconds. Celestia, it's like 11 seconds. Ah, Awi, it's 10 minutes. But you can actually look into the buildup of all of the transactions coming up. So you can not only basically see, well, what happens right now, but you can actually also look into and you can really see, oh, what is going to happen in the future? Like what transaction is going to be mind in, for example, a couple of seconds and things like this, and really, really, really build some super, super insight for almost future into the future looking alerts um, that you can build. That is something that's pretty cool. So we have the full combination of future data, present data and past time data, which is also, I think, something so unique to the blockchain space that gets me really excited about that.
1: Yeah. Thanks Fabian for <laughs> That's a great pitch. <laughs>
2: maybe you
0: can uh, walk us through some of the applications uh you mentioned a few things obviously uh sort of on a high level but just to dumb it down for uh, newbies and uh, non-experts like myself perhaps you can just walk us through an example of a of an application uh, especially an application that could be work uh, well with uh, the kive and syntropy integration
2: yeah i think something that, that you would do. Let's let's take like an alerting system, right? Uh, we, for example, like Kaif, has some, we have something like this in place where, right, if we want to monitor the security on Kaif, what is really, really important is that we have uh, tokens staked. And of course, you want to get alerted in case um, someone is unbonding or unstaking um, a lot amount of tokens. But now the question is, what is a lot amount of tokens? Is one token a lot? Is 10 tokens a lot? Is a million a lot? Well, It would be really cool if we could say, oh, are there more tokens unstaked than the average? So basically, we need to compute the average. And for the average, we need to know, for example, the data for the last 30 days. Well, perfect, right? That's where you use Kaif historical data to really get kind of like your average value you want to apply your alert to. And then you can use Syntropy, right? And you can look at real-time or future data, so to say, in the mempool, and you can see, oh, there is actually one transaction that is higher than my 30-day average. Well, then, for example, I want to send out an alert or I want to trigger something, right? It can be, it doesn't need to be an alert. It can also be, for example, like a rebalance on a liquidity pool. It can be an arbitrage trade that you do, but it's ever like, you always want to put something you do into perspective over the last days, for example. I think this is really, really powerful that I don't think any other tech stack even in Web3 um, allows.
1: Yeah, and I can give a couple more examples. So swap routing, for example, when you go to Uniswap and uh, swap tokens now, sometimes if you notice, the fee is sometimes, you know, bigger, sometimes smaller. Uh, and sometimes it goes, fluctuates by like $500 for a bigger trade uh, and and so on. So when you, you look how swaps work, they they normally now, don't swap directly. They check you know USDC to another token to to another token, USDC to Ethereum to another token, and in in decentralized trading there are so many liquidity pools and tokens you can jump through to make the best swap. So it's 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 really hard to process that amount of information and monitor so many chains. And because Synthropy is like per, almost purpose made to monitor liquidity events because these are on chain events. You can monitor a lot of these pools, and you can calculate better routes and better swaps quicker with more with more with more routes. So you can literally save on DeFi trades if you just have more routes to choose. So DEXs can build better routers, or also independently, people can build better better swap uh, contracts or or have uh, better trade information to trade or do liquidity or take money out of their liquidity, optimize yields. Uh, so you can have those calculations every time coming in, and as Fabian said, you know you do your you do your maths calculations using some historical data, and then you you react to the new data coming in. So swaps trading, arbitrage, uh, DEXs, uh, order books, anything which now looks at what's happening on chain, not prices or, or something which is off chain, but like really what's happening on every transaction in every blockchain uh that's an insight which is now very hardly achievable
0: beautiful maybe uh talk to us a little bit about the space that you guys operate in because a lot of people when they hear about data and data networks uh they, they think about oracles i think like chain link uh, pith or path uh, ne- network i still can't figure out how to pronounce it <laughs> um so yeah maybe uh again for uh, for anyone catching up here um maybe talk to us a little bit about uh, how you guys see yourselves uh, compared to for example oracles um uh, how you guys are different and uh, the the, uh, the sort of differentiator and the different use cases that you guys are solving
1: yeah so i can i can start with that because we're we call ourselves on-chain data oracle as well so basically the first functionality of our data layer is to combine publishers of all the blockchains and data and deliver it to software. Now, what Chainlink does is it combines information from outside the the chains, which is prices, you know, whatever, off-chain data, and delivers it to chain, to smart contracts. Uh, What we do is the other way around. It's almost like an inverse of Chainlink now, where we take on-chain data and deliver it out to applications. So the data layer is almost like the inverse of Chainlink because uh, we do on-chain to the world, not the world to on-chain. But what the Syntropy's layer one uh, vision is is a, a, in the future to allow that data layer to deliver data to, to our smart contracts. And then, it bec- uh, then Syntropy becomes a layer one which has Oracle capability to deliver any other chain's on-chain data to on-chain. So then, then it becomes on-chain to on-chain data oracle, uh, which Chainlink now, at, in, like as far as I know, does not have that data available and that capability. So what what difference will be then is that we'll be able to write smart contracts which can react to to data uh, or happening on on, on different chains, uh, and that is unique, and that's what something we're very excited about. So that's why we call ourselves an on-chain data oracle. And that's how it differs from current oracles. Like PIF as well is also providing price feed data into the applications.
2: And it's very, very similar um, to us there with Kaif. We do not have a real definition if we are an oracle or if we aren't actually. If, if you would ask me, I wouldn't really know if we are one by definition or not. And the the difference is for me that like, Something that we do at Kaif that oracles don't do is revalidate the data, right? So we make sure that the data we work with is correct, right? On PIF, there are just data streams coming in. There's just prices coming in. And if someone hacked into one of the price streams and modified, them, PIF would just relay wrong wrong prices, right? Which is really, really dangerous <clears throat> because... This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Well, people trust those oracles because they think it's happening on a blockchain and so they think the data this Oracle is delivering is correct, but that is actually completely un, un not connected, right? Like if I modify price stream coming in on the chain, the chain can do it, cannot do anything. It's even worse because the chain is immutable. So I, have, I carry around the wrong data forever. And then it even also comes on top that like computing, especially on the ETH-based things like EVM and stuff, storage and computing is really expensive. Um, and so it's really, really tricky to build an an Oracle at scale, so to say, and this is I think what something we've done with Kive very differently is like we optimize to store and validate data at scale. That's why we are so so good at doing this for historical data. And yes, you can access the Kive data on chain again, but just because it's so much, there isn't really a huge um, use case if you have something like very specific price interests, for example, and things like that, like they're kind of like the Syntropy contract to contract integration is something that, that you might want to wanna look into. I think it really always depends on the use case. Yes, you can put us in a category of data oracles. Yes, we are validating data. Yes, we're making sure that we, we publish it. But no, it's not really on-chain to on-chain, but it is fully decentralized.
0: Beautiful. Let's uh, look a bit ahead, guys, and uh, talk a little bit about the roadmap that you uh, sort of alluded to already, uh, where you uh, nicely wrapped up how you were able to look at past, present, and future data. But, yeah, talk to us about the roadmap that always gets people excited. What's to come from both uh, Kive and Century?
1: Sure. So maybe I can start. So I'm, I'm very excited about our roadmap, and the team is super busy. We have a mainnet coming up uh, this year and a lot of work before that. So we have a Silverstone launch uh, happening soon, and then a Monaco launch later in the Silverstone launch. uh, What we're gonna have is access to more uh, developers to our data layer. So the data layer becomes from available only to private companies now working with us to uh, developers in an open manner to try and test and get the data and start developing. And also those companies developers We'll have better tooling updated developer for portal to develop the data streams they need uh there's also we're going to launch some data tool to to show the, re- the real value of real-time data on, on 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 some DeFi elements uh so that is like a big stepping stone for us to open up to more developers and also there's upgrades happening on the chain itself So we already onboarded external validators like Staken uh, and et cetera to to learn the operational experience before Mainnet. So we're already onboarding external validators, upgrading the chain and so on. In the Mainnet, uh, what's very cool is we're going to enable the token economy. So the data layer is going to send data only which is paid through the token. So the, the main feature launching at Mainnet is the protocol fee Uh, And then after the mainnet, what's going to happen is we're going to launch fixed subscriptions, features, price stabilization features, and then filtering and Wasm smart contracts. So Wasm smart contracts is something which is going to make our layer one chain really valuable because we can build stuff related to royalties on the data economy. That hasn't been done before. So we can enable data economy from all these chains and every actor in between earn if the data stream becomes viral and very popular. So there's there's innovation happening on the Wasm smart contract uh, dealing uh, and uh, processing the data feeds. So mainnet this year, like Silverstone release, where developers can test more, uh, more features on a testnet working towards the mainnet, and then mainnet release where they really open up the token economy. I uh, get the chain going, the data layer working, and then we'll work on the new features for the chain.
0: Beautiful. Fabian, go ahead. <laughs> I
2: saw you. Yeah. <laughs> as I was about say Jonas, sounds like a like a busy year for you guys and all. Like of course we're like super excited for your uh, mainnet launch as well. Right. We've been through our mainnet launch last year. Um and so for us what it is really all about this year is like doubling down on the integrations that we have. Um, I can see some like Kyverse uh, in here. So as you guys know, we're very, very active in the Cosmos ecosystem um, and supporting chains with the Cosmos SDK architecture. So, of course, we're going to double down on that, building out our presence. We have some exciting chains coming up. But as many of you also know, we're not only Cosmos compatible, but also EVM compatible, and any kind of other data source compatibility. So for example, we're definitely going to tap into the EVM space, targeting L2s um, and all the rollup providers, as they usually struggle a lot with historical data. So that's something we will be focusing on a lot during the first half of the year. Um, We have some exciting validator tools that validators, even the ones on Syntropy, um, are using to get their nodes up to speed, save some money, um, and things like that. So definitely going to build up more support um, for that, as well as adding some more community tools, we just released our playground, um, early beginning of this year. Um, so now we can actually query the KIF data directly from the web app. So we're going to roll out more support for this, as well as kind of like more ways on interacting um, with the, with the KIF data and opening out opening it up to the broad community and not only basically to the the usual B two B targets we are working with.
0: Awesome. And yeah, guys, um, I can see a lot of people from the community also. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, put it in the comments, uh, in the tweet that we announced here, or the, the space tweet here, uh, then I'll, I'll bring it up. Um, so yeah, uh, feel free to uh, to add your questions in there. Something that I would like to uh, to talk a little bit about, because it's super hot these days, is, uh, is modularity. I mean... <laughs> I mean, everybody seems to be talking about modular money, uh, <laughs> both as a joke and uh, and uh, as a real thing. Um, Dimension, of course, uh, dropped recently and launched recently. Um, talk to us about how modularity, if it changes at all, uh, your approach to data, data storage, data streaming in the Web3 arena. Uh, does it change at all or is it the same thing because everybody with modularity is talking about data availability, right? So I just want to bring that uh, question up. Uh, yes. earlier.
2: that is, like, as you said, the hot, the hot topic right there. Actually, with Kaif, and this is something before the whole modular narrative was a thing, actually, we are a very modular blockchain, right? We have we have also decoupled our data layer from our consensus layer. And actually, uh, if you look on, like, CoinGecko and stuff, we are, think, together with Celestia, maybe now Dimension as well, one of the only tokens in the modular um, category. I think maybe there are like now like two or three others. But for a long time, it was Celestia and us kind of like sharing that that space. And so, it, actually, for us, it was almost like an unintentional design that we that we are a modular setup, right, with the separation because for us it made the most sense to under, to basically separate validation from consensus because it's two very different. Um, things. And especially as Kai, from a use case perspective, data availability is something very interesting, because a lot of people think data availability means that the data is always available. But that is not the case, right? Data availability is really just asking your friend, hey, are you available tonight? And your friend might say yes, doesn't mean your friend is available for the rest of your life. Right. And this is kind of like what, what the rollups are facing. It's like, well, they can they can show that the data is available there. Thing on Celestia it's 30 days, right? They say the data is available for, for 30 days. But then after they don't guarantee for anything. Um, which opens up the space basically for us at Kaif, where we then work with those rollup partners and those L2s, and we are their long-term historical um, data storage. right? Like we are the ones that they can trust, we are the ones they can they can store their data with to ensure that this data is lives longer than just 30 days. And it is really crucial because, right, back to the beginning of the uh, of the, the, the Twitter space, it's like neither Celestia nor the rollups incentivize their users to pay for long-term data storage, right? No one does that. Everyone just incentivizes them to produce new data, which is which is great, right? But now they have a partner like us where they get the incentivization for keeping the data around. And Making sure it's valid and basically don't having to trust anyone. And so yeah for us the modularity is is a very big Part of our infrastructure, but we also very close in the modular uh, infrastructure space
1: Yeah, super cool so on on, on our side basically modularity is Syntropy was born in the cross-chain era for the cross-chain. So uh we're aiming to be the first layer one which has all the other chains data available at its disposal because our special feature is the data layer we built and the way i look at modularity is we followed the cosmos model and that's why i really like the cosmos ecosystem because it allows to build modular blockchains actually and uh, and uh, we followed like injectives another successful chains model now where you have your uh feature specialties your bridges your your services which make up the whole solution and then you compete for several areas so like you can compete for your data layer you can compete for your smart contracts for your validator security etc so modularity for us means that we have data from a lot of chains in the future for probably all chains and we we can deliver data to all applications or all other chains so that enables other blockchains to be modular and build things which can get events and data from from, from different blockchains. So without uh, infrastructure which we're building, this whole set of publishers of all chains data, nobody has this on-chain data infrastructure built in. And more and more modular blockchains will need to interact with either different chains or look at the data at different chains Uh, So that's how we fit into modularity, where we will be one of the few places where you can really find any other chain's data and react on it and build smart contracts. Uh, And so that's that's how I look at it. And then what's really exciting next is once Syntropy data layer data can be injected to, to other chains, then... It's even better because if more chains consume data layer, it's good for our token because it it goes through token economy. If our own smart contracts use our data, it's good because smart contracts uses fees. So, you know, we can compete both on a smart contract uh, level where people can use our chain because we have a data layer and and its data. But also if other chains start injecting injecting data layer data themselves, that can just improve increase the amount of data being consumed so the way i think about modularity for syntropy is having it the blockchain uh, layer separate from the data layer so we can improve the blockchain the smart contracts the speed of it the fees whatever uh, separately improve the chain as well as we can improve the data the data layer capabilities and then for other blockchains i think nobody will will get around without cross-chain data in the very near future so every solution will have at least three or four chains interconnecting some bridges interconnecting and everyone will going to need uh some visibility into what's happening into all of their systems
0: beautiful beautiful i want to go a little bit back to the roadmap because uh, we tend to think of course in crypto um in very short-term sort of roadmaps Uh, crypto moves super fast so it's natural to think that way one year in crypto is like seven years in real life, in <laughs> TradFi at least. It's almost like a, a cat <laughs> version of the TradFi industry. But um, talk to us a little bit about the, uh, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, a little bit longer than the, the original sort of roadmap uh, that we have in the in the next three, six, 12 months. Like, how do you see, for example, data being stored, processed, and verified, let's say, five years from now? Is it going to be similar to how we do it now? We just talked about modularity, for example, and and your solution, your approach. Or do you see sort of big leaps happening in our industry, uh, of course, propelled by blockchain technology and hopefully with uh, Centropy and kive being at the forefront of that?
2: I... I think the trend will go more towards definitely more towards modularity, but also more towards app chains. Just given that basically we are at a stage now where projects can be very creative um, in terms of like what they want to build out and how they want to do certain things. And blockchains are getting connected to each other way better, right? IBC and stuff is, is just a technology that that works really well. So I think we're going to see a, a breakdown, so to say, of those like monolith giants, like an Ethereum or something, breaking up into little small application-specific chains that are then interconnected, maybe even with things like interchain security and stuff, like secured by the same validator. So I think we will kind of see like this clustering um, of the space happening. Um, And then in terms of kind of like how the data will, will be processed, I think we'll also go into that direction that Uh, chains and chains are finally able to safely basically exchange as much data as they want and aren't limited to a couple of bytes that very frankly speaking nowadays aren't really really usable right we need to send over some like meaningful amount of data so I think we will see this Um, with Kive I think we can place ourselves as like a cornerstone or like central piece into that infrastructure where like if you want to have secure communication or secure data like access then verification is like the top thing that should be in everyone like developers mind. So I think that is something that I would put high bets on in terms of like clustering, like more towards the app chain thesis, more towards the interoperability thesis. And I think that's stuff we will see. And I also think that we will see standards um, coming up. that will just work across the whole industry, right? Like we see it with like, well, we have an ERC 20. I think that token standard is pretty, Standard now, we see this ERC20 standard being implemented on other chains with other names, right? Like CW20 uh, on Cosmos and things like this. But I think we will see more of this. The space will equal itself out, but because the connection between chains will be getting so good, we will see more standards and things like this um, coming up.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think it will be just the fight for block space. Uh, Software will become interoperable because just more of it can be written. And uh and it's just will be different land security landscapes for different price and things will become really interoperable. Uh the next steps for data delivery to, to your question, the original question, I think what's gonna happen next is uh or at least for us what we're gonna be looking at uh in the future this this, this further looking uh time frame is trustlessness on the data we stream. So something Fabian already mentioned. Uh if data is coming from just a trusted provider, you still trust the provider. And if we wanna uh, if we wanna send data to smart contracts and actually have smart contracts execute things and transactions on events happening on other chains, uh, then you need to really trust that data. And so what we're thinking is also you know adding a layer of guarantee and redundancy to the data. So what the way we think about it is. Um, Guarantee of data can be can happen through redundancy, so maybe merging uh, several publishers and then having you know having having stamps confirm the data before even it's delivered real time, so maybe introducing a tiny little bit of latency for the sacrifice of that a, a secondary stamp or a guarantee of that data even before it hits the, the the storing solution. so I think developers will just need more trusted data still nearly as fast so that they can integrate it to smart contracts. And then we have a system where, as Fabian alluded to, you can do past, present, and the future. So you can get insights into the future blocks. Uh, and then you can you can act on that data because it's guaranteed or it is close to guaranteed. And then you can you can also have that data stored and also guaranteed for your for your for your basically historical records and ledger records to to, to make your software work correctly. So I see the second thing for the data availability in general as a concept is getting that data trustless because now most of the oracles are still trusted. Um, That's where I see the next phase of going in the next years to really make it reliable, fast, but also trustless.
0: Perfect. Perfect guys I want to broaden it up a bit um because you guys are obviously very knowledgeable about this space but also the entire industry as a whole uh, in web3 and and blockchain so I want to ask a question uh, what excites you these days in crypto and uh, web3 and blockchain in our entire industry and of course Syntropy and Kaif has been taken you can't say that (laughs) (laughs) um but uh, what else out there uh, is something that really? gets you going and gets you excited these days.
1: So I'm really excited about real world assets, to be honest, because all the other aspects in blockchain tech we kind of faced or touched upon already in the last years, and now we're just getting to maturity. What I really haven't seen uh, launching and having use cases and what tech we are bringing in, what, what, what tech we need is real world assets. Uh, I think it's gonna happen at some point during this year or next for sure. Uh, there's going to be projects launching, and then we're going to see a new type of industry with new type of features, new data needs, et cetera. So I'm really excited about the first real-world assets launching and seeing how they will perform, what's the demand, uh, what's the adoption of that, and what's the tech requirements for that whole piece of new industry, which we just haven't seen. So I'm excited to see how that's going to play out. And second one is IoT, like real-world uh, devices, so deep in. Uh, we 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 recently did Spaces with Peak as well so they have like you know real companies IoT companies connecting their devices through blockchain because they have a purpose built blockchain for IoT uh, IoTeX is a similar use case as well so the next thing I'm looking forward to see is the, the big new IoT use cases to blockchain like what's going to be the next uh, you know thing we know after Helium which is really a scalable IoT use case
0: Beautiful. Fabian, same question for you?
2: Yeah, I think for me it is that, I think when I first joined the space, I think everything was really, really ease, right? And everything was really hard to do, like you really had to think around many, many like really outside of the box <laughs> to make some more simple use cases um, happen. And I think we're now at a stage, at least feels like it to me, where we as developers are able to do more and more meaningful contributions every single day and bring the space forward. And this time, like really lay the ground for like some big things happening on blockchain. I also personally think that blockchain is becoming a lot more important than many people might realize right now, especially because for me, it is the very much needed counterpart towards AI, right? Like we see this with like open AI, like Dolly, whatever. I can generate whatever and when I can fake whatever I want, within seconds while blockchain is the complete opposite right on a blockchain I can prove you that I can't fake literally anything and I think that it's really dangerous if we would live in a world where anything can be faked within a mouse click and nothing could be proven correctly the world would drift off in like very very dark times so actually I actually think the whole blockchain space is very very well positioned to be the much needed healthy balance towards what we kind of like seeing on, um, on that side of things so I think what really gets me excited is about where we are, what we are able now to do technically to see what people are building, seeing that they can get more creative, seeing that they can build more impactful solutions and really looking forward to what that means in the next two, three, four years uh, coming out in terms of like, yeah, tokenizing assets, assets, building more impactful uh, applications on a financial, on a data level, um, but even on a consumer level as well.
1: Yeah, Fabian, you mentioned like a really good point, AI. Like that's another thing which is super exciting because my personal thesis is that in the future, 99% of data will be consumed by AI models and agents. That's just sort of how it will be. And uh, and now there's both no models and no data to, to, to use. So like there's just nothing to work with. So when we build the infrastructure where both historical and real-time data is available at hand, uh where people are going to start building the AI models and we already did an integration with an AI company to feed our data there and it's another match made in heaven is is real time data to feed to AI because only AI can really fathom the amount of data coming out from something like Solana uh etc and uh, so, and and AI is going to do any statistical calculations as well in the future from historical data so Yeah, looking forward for people to start building the models and, uh, you know, when they start needing the data and feeding it in, imagine how much AI can infer from like millions of messages and transactions coming from blockchains into AI, like how AI can find different wallets, different arbitrage opportunities, different Whatever people cannot just find. So it's going to be a whole nother blockchain game when AI starts really being capable and consuming blockchain data.
0: Awesome, guys. Crypto never sleeps, and uh, there's so many things to be excited about in this industry. That's also why I like to ask a question to experts like yourselves, because uh, it's always interesting to hear uh, people like yourselves working in the industry um, day in and day out really gets you guys excited so so thank you for sharing that guys is there anything that we left uh, unturned any stones that we left unturned here how do you want to close this thing off today
1: i just really want to thank the cosmos community for being for being both supportive to build and then getting us to the projects uh like Hive and others to, to work with and build that ecosystem like I'm, I'm super excited seeing like new modules being built new libraries being used and cosmos becoming a real like competitor to EVM, like competitor is the wrong word, but I just gonna couldn't find a different word, but a counterpart or a balance uh, to EVM and, and Cosmos is, is really on, on the roll this year. So really happy to be a part of this community.
2: Yeah, for me also, just like a big thank you um, to, also to everyone today for, for listening in, uh, listening what what we have to say and our thoughts about this. Thank you for having us. And yeah, really, really excited um, to kind of see what's going to happen the next uh, weeks that will feel like years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and uh, I mean, whack me, as uh, as we like to say over here, right? We're all going to make it uh, if we uh, just stick our heads down and uh, continue working, continue building. We've uh, gone through a brutal bear market and we're still standing. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see how... Uh, how this year, how next year, and beyond is going to play out. Um, but it feels like more and more that uh, we stand on the right side of history. That's uh, what I like to say to my to my friends who are perhaps a little more crypto skeptical. Uh, it just feels more and more like this is this is going to happen for sure. I mean, it's just not a question anymore. The question is just when and and how fast it's going to be adopted. Um, I mean, of course, everybody is talking about the Bitcoin spot ETF as a big milestone. But I think a lot of hard work has come before that. That really makes uh, use cases not just in some speculative assets, uh, but way beyond that. We can really, we truly have a shot at reshaping the uh, the world that we live in. So that's that's just awesome. Guys, I promised to mention also that uh, WACMI, we have a newsletter. Uh, we are almost surpassing 13,000 tonight, actually, uh, subscribers. So uh, go in our bio, click the link, and subscribe to our weekly newsletter where we summarize what's happening in Cosmos and Ethereum and Bitcoin and all the uh, big ecosystems out there. We tweet daily about the uh, news happening. If you look at our feed, you can see uh, every single day we have sort of a quick summary of what happens. So yeah, uh, go follow us, go subscribe, and of course make sure to follow kive Network and uh, Centropy uh, if you haven't done that already. The websites, by the way, guys, are beautiful. I don't know who is designing it and building it, but uh, super intuitive and just a uh, pleasant on the eye to uh, to navigate through. Thank you so much, Jonas and Fabian, for coming on tonight, and uh, I'm sure this is not the last time that we that we have you
2: on.
1: But thank you so much for joining tonight. Thanks for having us. Thank you.
2: And enjoy your day or evening or whatever it is. Uh, have a great bye time. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Take care, guys. Ciao. This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new Dapp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you before making any detrimental mistakes, risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbasis, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score. And if you find yourself wondering, hmm, maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past, well, Blockbasis makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on Blockbases.com. That is Blockbases.com.